welcome to another week of who knew another week another i don't know what i was going to go with crime yeah this one's pretty gross yeah yeah but it's a uh what some may call a heavy hitter so i'm excited for that cool thing is i came up with it and then sammy did all the research unbeknownst to me um as i didn't know we were recording today (laughs) I also didn't, but I was like, oh, shit, I should start doing some notes. And then I realized, oh, shit, I don't know when we're going to record because we have very important things coming up these next two days. And then the episode comes out on Saturday. So (laughs) here we are. Here we are. I love it, though. It's fine. We tend to um, fly by the seat of our pants sometimes. It works, usually. It does work. How was your week? How is your week? Uh, It's whatever. (laughs) Okay. How's your week? Fourth of July? Did you have a good one? No. I mean, no, fuck this place. Yeah, I know. I wanted to uh, hold a funeral in lieu of Fourth of July celebrations for the death of our rights. Yes, literally. For the death of a lot of things that are probably going to come as well. Yeah. But alas, I had to work and fucking deal with people with fireworks. So I love how people who are so like pro-cop and pro-military and pro this that and the other but then you know what laws they don't like firework laws yeah i mean those don't apply to them anything that doesn't fit in their ideal of whatever the fuck they think is right or wrong it does not apply we pick and choose what laws we like yes we pick and choose whatever works to our and you know what every every single time i went up to somebody where i watched them light off an illegal firework in front of me and then I'd walk up and they'd say, what are you talking about? Like, what? These are illegal. What? Oh, so I'm like, you didn't buy those here. Well, no, we bought them in another state. No shit. Yeah, no shit, because no we shit. don't sell those here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, don't worry, officer. This is the last one. Bet. Fucking bet, bro. Because Ronnie never was, was shitting her britches <laughs> the whole night. Uh, it's annoying. I hate 4th of July. Anyways. <sighs> Samesies. Do you have any corrections or anything like that? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Good. I don't. cool that i'm aware of so if we do if you guys have corrections for us please email us at who knew podcast 666 at gmail.com yes and we will look into that (laughs) (laughs) and then we'll think about it and we'll say we should talk about that and then we'll forget yeah and it might be probably right now like four episodes when we're like oh shit i remember this person emailed me about this correction like a month ago so bear with us we're ADHD. Also, I want to apologize. I guess I do have something. I do want to apologize for the Instagram. I've been really slacking on it lately. And that's just basically because I'm trying to not be on social media in general. And then I'm trying to not to be right now because all I see is things that make me really depressed. And I know that there are things I have to be aware of, such as like women's rights that are being taken away and yada yada. But right now, like social media is not making me feel any better about how to fix the problem it's just making me more depressed about everything that's going wrong so i'm going to try to get better so yeah i'm not really sure when that's gonna happen but just bear with me and just know i'm trying my best sick yes all we can ever do sometimes yeah um are you guys ready for a duo i'm ready yeah yeah this is fun and i say fun sad and horrific literally hard to listen to probably very interesting to research about because I always heard this name, but I guess I never realized the extent of the things that he did. Mm-hmm. So, 
here we are. We are talking about Dennis Lynn Rader, and if you don't recognize the name, that is indeed the man who is the BTK killer. Um, good to know is that I'm going to kind of talk about him in general, or Jack and I are going to talk about him in general, and kind of put, like, tidbits throughout the timeline. So the timeline's not going to be, like, perfect. You'll see. Anyways, so Dennis was born March 9th of 1945 in Pittsburgh, Kansas. However, he grew up in Wichita. Um, He was the oldest of four sons of his family, and he was a totally normal child because he reportedly exhibited behavior like hanging stray animals. A.K.A. not a normal child. (laughs) Yeah, if you weren't aware, that's not normal. Um, He attended Riverview Elementary School, where he was, again, average to below average student. Totally normal. And he exhibited introverted and withdrawn personality, which I can relate to that, but that's about where our similarities uh, stay. Even before he hit puberty, Dennis will recall having dreamt of tying up girls and having sex with them. Again. Not normal. Not normal, especially before you hit puberty. Like, I get people have kinks, and I'm, I'm not here to kink shame, but, like, there's... People before puberty don't have kinks. No, there's, like, a line that he's drawing already. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, Dennis eventually, obviously, kept growing up, and he graduated Wichita Heights High School in 1963 and then went to college. During this time, he also worked at a local grocery store, but that didn't last for very long because eventually he dropped out of college and was like, I'm going to join the Air Force. And that was in 1966 when he was 21 years old. I saw a report that said that he did this so that he wouldn't be forced to go to Vietnam or something like that. Hmm. I don't know how that works because I feel like if you enlist during a wartime, you're kind of guaranteed to go, so whatever. Um, While in the Air Force, Dennis would peek through window blinds to watch women undress, also not normal, and he broke into homes to steal their undergarments. Even less normal. normal. (laughs) What the fuck? Um, Then in 1971, after returning back to Wichita, after his stint in the uh, military, he married his wife, Paula Dietz, who obviously ended up taking his name. He married his wife, Paula Dietz, on May 22nd. Anyways, he worked as a factory worker for Coleman for about a year. Coleman, the... Like the outdoor brand? Yeah, 100%. Nice. Uh, July of 1973, he uh, changed jobs and worked for Cessna, which makes planes, uh, the small planes, if you don't know. And that fall, he ended up going back to school to get a bachelor's in criminal justice in hopes of being a cop. Gross. <laughs> Later that year, Dennis was let go from his job at Cessna, and this is where Psychology Today states that Dennis slipped even deeper into that weird, dark fantasy world that he had known since childhood, and uh, wanted to know just what it would feel like to strangle a woman with his bare hands until she died, which is not something I've ever thought about in my entire life. That's fucking nuts. absolutely not. I've never once been like i cannot wait to feel somebody die that's the worst thing i've ever heard yeah um he also is obsessed with porn and like to daydream about explicit things that he probably saw or wanted to see in porn yeah uh perhaps most disturbingly he nicknamed his wiener sparky that's fucked that's weird right weird like what what's about sparky that's like that's a dog's name yeah, I think I had a hamster named Sparky once. Oh, of course you did. <laughs> did you name it after him? <laughs> no. Okay. Nope, not after Dennis Rader's wiener. Good. Definitely not. No. Uh, around this time was when he also recalled that he enjoyed trolling, which was what he um, 
this was him driving or walking around certain neighborhoods and school campuses wonder why he went back to college it's weird uh to look and lust over women that he was just seeing on the street apparently he would stalk women as they shopped alone in grocery stores and he planned to hide in the back seat of one of their cars uh to kidnap them at gunpoint this was something that he like fantasized about and all that good mm-hmm. stuff uh he would then focus on a good prospect and enter into his fantasies of like bondage sex and then eventually murder Because of this, Dennis trained himself on how to, quote, kill and avoid detection, as he called it. Uh, He learned how to tie super fancy knots, uh, nooses, things like that. And then in 1974, he began a lengthy stint as an employee of ADT Security Services. Outstanding. Yes. Uh, But this was when things started going even more downhill than they already were. Yeah, if you couldn't guess... By your vast knowledge of BTK, uh, things get bad. So in the beginning of that year, January 15th to be exact, in the morning, Dennis ended up strangling to death four members of the Otero family in their Wichita home. Four members as his first killing. That's kind of ballsy. Um, The victims were parents, Joseph, who goes by Joe, and Julie, and two of their children, Josephine and Joseph Jr. A lot of Joes. It's a lot of Js. (laughs) It's great. Um... Julie just so happened to be an old co-worker at the Coleman Equipment Company Dennis worked at. It is believed that Dennis lusted after Julie and her and get this, and her 11-year-old daughter, Josephine. Gross. So fucking gross. Um, so he got his kit together, which basically were like a little duffel, I guess, of guns, knives, hoods, cords, tape, plastic bags, gloves, and tools uh, that he used for breaking and entering into homes. Or this home specifically. He first cut the phone line so they couldn't call for help and then entered the home through the backyard. Somehow, Dennis successfully took control of the four family members because I believe... That's wild. It, yeah, and it said that um, Joe... Like, what's the dad doing this whole time? I have no idea. Joe wasn't like martial arts or something like that. Both him... No, he was a boxer. I think that's what my research said, that he was like a boxer. And um, the mom, Julie, she did like krav maga or some weird shit like that so is dennis just like slippery no i think this is what he (laughs) ew (laughs) this is what he ended up doing um he told them that he was a criminal on the run and all he wanted was money food and a car to escape he eventually convinced them that he wasn't going to hurt them because of his lack of emotional things which is usually like what like a psychopath you have like no empathy or emotional control um so he convinced them he wasn't going to hurt them because they were like oh he's not like angry he's not like showing emotion so he must be serious like all he wants like take the car i don't care um so he ended up because of that they were like yeah sure tie us up anything you want sir so he tied them up and then dennis put a bag over joe's head and they were like oh shit and he strangled him because the bag wasn't working fast enough. Um, after that, he moved to Joey, who was nine years old, and strangled him to death. And then Julie, the mom, was the next in which he did the same. However, yes, things get a little weird, obviously. Uh, if you've heard anything we've said in the past, you know, ten minutes, uh, <laughs> things get weird when he gets to Josephine. So he convinces her to go down to the basement where he hanged her from a pipe. Uh, later, in a correspondence from Scott Bone 
from Psychology Today to Dennis while he was in jail. Scott asked why Dennis did something different for Josephine uh, than he did for like the rest of the family, and Dennis responded, quote, I thought it would be interesting to watch her die. So he strangles the other ones, but they've got bags over their, their heads, all that, right? And he's probably more, like, uh, occupied. Whereas if he hangs her, he can just stand back. Yeah, he and doesn't watch have to like worry about like, am I putting enough? He's force? not working. Yeah, towards it. So, uh, that's fucking weird. Strangulation and souvenir taking would become a part of his mo, um, <laughs> which he started here when he took a watch and a radio from the home. But typically, he would take underwear from his victims in the next crimes to come. Uh, he also left semen at the scene, and later, after he was caught, obviously, um, he said that he got a lot of sexual pleasure from killing, which is disgusting. Uh, the Otero's 15-year-old son, Charlie, came home later that day with his other siblings. All three had been at school, and they found the bodies, which is fucking terrible. So Yeah. So, Dennis, after that very successful, very surprisingly successful home invasion turned murder... Um, he tried his luck again on April 4th, 1974, just a few months after his first killings. He waited with an armed, with an armed gun. <laughs> he waited armed with a gun in the apartment of a 21-year-old woman named Catherine Bright, who also coincidentally Dennis worked with at Coleman. Uh, so she... What a weirdo. How did he get their, like, addresses? It's fucking weird, right? Here's my thing. I don't know. I didn't find any of this in my research, but he worked for ADT. I wonder if they all had ADT systems. Yeah. Also. I didn't see any of that in my research, so that's just me speculating that he might have gotten their address from them if they had ADT systems or something. I don't know. Regardless, that's just my presumption. Um, So Catherine came home, and Dennis ended up taking his opportunity. However, I'm not sure if he expected this or not, because Catherine wasn't alone. She was with her brother, Kevin. There's a lot of alliteration here with the the names. I had noticed this earlier. So Dennis shot Kevin twice, once in the head, but Kevin survived. Unfortunately, Catherine wasn't as lucky, and she was, like all the others before, strangled to death. Um, Kevin later described Dennis to the police once he talked to them and recovered he described dennis as quote an average size guy bushy mustache psychotic eyes end quote and that was according to a time magazine article from back in the day so then in october of 1974 dennis takes an extreme turn uh once he heard a young man take claim of the otero murder saying that he killed the family with two friends so at this point the police didn't have really anybody and people started claiming the crimes which again is nuts to me uh so an editor at the wichita eagle received a strange phone call from dennis that directed him to a mechanical engineering book at the wichita public library in the book, Dennis placed a letter uh, which basically took responsibility for the killing of the Ateros. Um, police found that book and the letter wedged inside, and the letter ended up with a local newspaper, and the poorly written note gave authorities some idea of who they were dealing with because it was filled with misspellings and grammatical errors, which um, I could see that either being A, like a sign of like a not very smart or literate guy, or... Somebody trying to, like, throw the police Yeah, off. disguise themselves. Right. Um, Dennis wrote in the letter, quote, those three... Is this correct? Like, 
Yeah, if there's misspellings in there, it is 100% Okay, legit. so I will read it like that. So, quote, those three dude you have in custody are just talking to get publicity. And, quote, it's hard to control myself. You probably call me psychotic with sexual perversion hang-up. And continued stating, quote, the code words for me will be bind them, torture them, kill them, BTK. You see he at it again. They will be on the next victim, uh, which that became his name, BTK. It stuck and why Dennis is known as the BTK killer or simply BTK. I just want to talk about this for a second. He like chooses to like choose grammatical errors. Like I'm going to instead spell things. I'm going to spell it differently. Like dude. So I'm just going to take an S off. But then he uses like words like psychotic and perversion and spells them correctly. And then uses he instead of him. Yeah. That's weird. I feel like that's purposeful. Yeah, totally. So I'm like, honestly, I think he chose the wrong words to like scramble yeah. up, but okay. He's like, uh, Zodiac did it. <laughs> <laughs> he does some pretty Zodiac-like things. Um, Dennis seemed to have taken a bit of a break because his next known crimes occurred in 1977, a couple years later on March 17th. He enters yet another home because a five-year-old opened the door. And he forced his way inside. Like, what was I? Here I am thinking, what was his plan if, like, any other person opened the door? If it was, like, a man, would he have just been like, oh, I'm sorry, wrong house? Or would he have still forced his way in? I'm just. I don't know, because he found ways to manipulate, like, an entire four person family. Yeah. So he probably is pretty confident. Right. He's like, I'm going to pull some, I'm going to do some Ted Bundy stuff, be like, my car broke down, can I Mm -hmm. use your phone, and then kill everybody. Yeah. What a shithead. Um, so Dennis ended up barricading the boy and his two siblings in the bathroom, and then he tied up uh, their mother, Shirley Vaughn. Would you say Vaughn or v- Vian? Uh, he Vian. then Vian. Okay. Um, he then tied up and strangled their mom, Shirley Vian, to death. Definitely an MO there. Uh, however, the children thankfully managed to escape and got to the police and provided with them with yet another description of dennis basically saying the same thing as i mean as a way a child would like he's got a mustache you know um then in december 8th of that same year he strangled nancy fox in her home but this is a major turn of events because dennis is starting to taunt the police um he called them to report the homicide saying quote you will find a homicide at 843 south pershing end quote shortly after that one on january 31st 1978 dennis sent a poem to the local newspaper about the shirley killing the poem started out shirley locks shirley locks wilt thou be mine end quote so he can say that but he can't like say dudes he or him properly (laughs) but yeah all right um, so the mail clerk seeing this, uh, forwarded this card to the paper's classified department thinking it was a Valentine's Day card. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So they were like, uh, what? So then several weeks later, February 10th of 1978, he sent another letter to a local television station, which was, uh, I love this K-A-K-E TV, which is cake TV. <laughs> it's so good. Um, he was upset that he wasn't getting the response that he wanted from his last message, the would-be Valentine's Day poem. Uh, so the letter that he sent to the TV station stated that he was responsible for killing Shirley Vian, Nancy Fox, and another unknown victim. And he wrote, quote, How many people do I have to kill before I get my name in the paper or some national attention? 
In the letter, he also suggested nicknames including the BTK Strangler, the Wichita Hangman, and the Asphyxiator. Yeah, you can spell Asphyxiator. (laughs) (laughs) He also made allusions to several other notorious killers including Ted Bundy, David Berkowitz, who is also known as the Son of Sam, uh, Wichita Police Chief Richard Lemunyan subsequently calls a news conference to reveal for the first time the presence of the BTK Strangler in the area. He says, quote, We have no reason but to believe... Uh, that's weird. Is it no reason to believe? I copied and pasted, so I think that's what he said. I feel like he's incorrect there. He says, We have no reason but to believe the individual has a capability to kill again. Somehow, amongst all the violence he was committing... Uh, Dennis was able to maintain a relatively normal life. He and his wife welcomed their son in 1975, maybe why the first string of attacks kind of stopped for a while. I don't know. And then their daughter was born in 1978, so they had two kiddos. He was apparently very attentive, a very loving husband, according to some reports from those who knew him during that time. And then do you remember when I said that Dennis was going to school? Was yes. it I that said that? Uh, so one of us said that. Yeah, yeah. he's going to college. Uh, well, in 1979, he graduated from Wichita State University with a degree in one source said administration of justice, which and I find it more easily to believe that he got a degree in criminal justice if he wanted to be a popo. So, which all of these seemingly good and normal things that he's doing that like people did he still somehow sent letters to taunt authorities giving them the idea that he was going to strike again at any time so on april 28th 1979 dennis did just that kind of he waited in an elderly woman's home her name was anna williams but left before she had returned and i think he had dutiful husband things to do he was like, fuck the soccer games in five minutes. Like, I gotta go. Damn it. Yeah. Um, so, of course, uh, obviously, because he's not going to let things go that easily. He, in less than two minutes, uh, poor Anna learns that her brush with. What was that? Can you say that one more time? Say what? But of course. Yeah, start there. Okay. You but... said like minutes, but said it like months. You said minutes. Uh... <laughs> That's weird. Um, uh, But of course, like he is going to do because he's psychotic in less than two months after he broke into her house, Anna learns about her brush with death when she received several of her personal items by mail. So he like left, but took a bunch of shit. Yeah. And she obviously like probably thought like, oh, I probably misplaced that or whatever. Um, And he also gave her a poem. He is quite the romantic. Uh, the poem was called, Oh, Anna, Why Didn't You Appear? <laughs> the fuck? It's fucking weird. So do you think if she had, got, had come home earlier, he would have killed her well, and then gone to the soccer game? 100%. Like, okay. I think that was his plan, like, killing her. And if she lived alone and elderly, like, I doubt any... He was like, oh, no one's going to come to her house. I'll just kill her, go to the soccer game, come back and finish it up or whatever. Hmm. I don't know. He's, I think, kind of close with this one. Um, After this action, he, uh. In attempts to catch him, law enforcement released the December 1977 recording that they had where he called 911 claiming that he killed Shirley, um, hoping that someone might, like, officers released that, hoping that someone might recognize the voice. Obviously, uh, they got so many tips from people claiming to have recognized it. Sadly, nothing relevant came with the case for the information they were looking for. So what made them tie the... the 
like the break-in to BTK because like I'm assuming she went to the police and she's like, hey, this is fucking weird. Yeah, she probably went to the police and was like, hey, I have this poem and this guy mailed me my personal <laughs> items and it's a, I'm sure he probably signed yeah. a BTK. Oh, okay. I mean, that was like his thing. He was like totally pulling a yeah, Zodiac. Yeah, would not do that. Yeah. Um, so after this in 1984, the chief, La Mignon, <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't say it like that. <laughs> Le Mignon uh, uh, established a task force devoted to BTK's crimes and they nicknamed them Ghostbusters. Oh my god. After obviously. That it like just came out. Yeah, so I obviously someone was a fan. Um, the task force, Everyone which. Everyone was a fan. That was a great movie. I've never seen it. Shocker. <laughs> uh, the task force included a young officer named Ken Ladweer, who. No. Ken. Can Ken Landweir, where? How would you say that? <laughs> she like looks at me while she's saying things and just takes my reaction into so much consideration. Ken Landwehr. Landwehr. Um, the task force, which includes a young officer named Ken Landwehr, um, he's the spearhead of the later efforts to track down the killer. Um, but he takes pains to carefully organize and preserve valuable evidence, which is very, very important because I don't think if he did this, we would have caught him. Okay. I say we as if I was there helping. Sure. Right. Not <laughs> even alive at Not that time. Even. So Dennis took another break probably because of all the attention that he wanted uh, wasn't really in his favor. And on April 27th of 1985, he came back to it and he killed his neighbor, uh, her name's Maureen. Yeah. Like the, like the, okay. Yes. In 1985, he killed his neighbor, Maureen Hedge, which is a, a really unfortunate <laughs> name. <laughs> that is the funniest name. That's the funniest fucking name. They should have just named her Coral. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad. Um, I mean, it's really sad because she, she died. died. I'm an asshole. Uh, Maureen was on her way home after having a fun night of bingo and dinner with her boyfriend. Um, she was taken from her home in Wichita, in a Wichita, blah, in a Wichita suburb of Park City, which is just down the road from where Dennis was. And per usual, she was strangled to death. Dennis also reportedly later took her body to his church, where he photographed her in bondage. Uh, her body was found eight days later on the side of the road. How that took days to find, I have no idea. Um, but I have lived pretty close to Wichita, and it's a, kind of a spread out area. Do you think it was like a ditch or something? Maybe. I, that wouldn't surprise I can't see him just like dumping her right on the side of the road. I mean... I could see him like kind of hiding her. Maybe. It's going to be a little bit harder. But He's like, I, I gotta can make a game out of this. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, so it's worth noting that law enforcement didn't initially link this killing to BTK, maybe because he did dump her body. He hadn't done that before. Yeah, he just never... left them all. Yeah. Um, September 16th of 1986, another set of killings occur, but don't pan out to what I'm sure Dennis uh, imagined. Bill Wegerly returned home from lunch uh, to find his two-year-old son sitting by himself and his wife, Vicky, dead and their bedroom uh, at least he didn't kill the kid right that is fucking horrific though yeah in the absence of other credible evidence the husband becomes the primary suspect in Vicky's death unfortunately 
Yeah. So yet another large amount of time passes. And finally, January 19th of 1991, he, Dennis, BTK, returns. And he does so by throwing a cinder block through the sliding glass door of someone's house and enters it. This person's house is uh, Dolores Davis's. Um, Unfortunately, I'm sure you see where this is going. Dolores gets strangled to death and he leaves her body by a bridge. It kind of blows my mind that he has such large spans of time between each killing. Like, that is such a, like, storybook serial killer. Mm. It's such a cooling off period. Mm -hmm. It's like five years. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, But then after this, the killings stop. Um, apparently, according to my sources, Dennis focused on his family life. He left working at ADT in the late 1980s, and he started working for the Wichita suburb, again, of Park City, where he lived, as a compliance supervisor. And he started that in 1991. And I think 1991 sounds familiar, because that's when he killed Dolores. And I think that that was, it was the year of his last killing, so I was just like, oh, he started this new job. So maybe he doesn't feel the need to kill. He's like occupied Hmm. because in this new position, Dennis was known to be a stickler for the rules and not in a good way. This is his way of asserting his dominance in ways that he probably gets the pleasure out of killing because he would go to such extremes that he would measure the height of people's lawns and cite them if it was too long. Is he like an HOA guy? Yeah, he did like parking enforcement. I think he was like municipal enforcement stuff like that um and then he chased stray animals away with a tranquilizer gun uh according to other reports dennis took pleasure in exerting like i said his limited authority over his neighbors uh and other members of the community by saying like hey your lawn's out of compliance your hedges out of compliance whatever the fuck i don't know Um, but also don't worry he was a boy scout troop leader and the president of his church council so obviously still a great person Uh, January of 2004, the Wichita Eagle ran a 30th anniversary piece on BTK. They printed an article recalling the terror that he wielded in the 70s and suggested that he had faded from memory after so many years. However, uh, once he was caught, Dennis admitted that this article spurred him to revive his deadly alter ego. So he had been dormant for a while and then... For 30 years. Yeah. Which is wild. Well, I mean, not 30 years, because that's when it originally started, but a decade. Yeah, like 13. Yeah. Um. So March 19th of 2004, the Wichita Eagle received an envelope from a, quote, Bill Thomas Kilman, B-T-E-K. LOL. <laughs> LOL. Um, anyways, uh, the envelope contained a copy of Vicki Weggerly's missing driver's license, photos of her body, and BTK's signature. This is an official link of her unsolved murder, which was originally suspected to be done by her husband, to BTK, and declared the Wichita Terror to be very much alive. May 5th of 2004, BTK's next public uh, publicity stunt was mailed to, again, Cake TV. I love it. Uh, this included items uh, such as a fake ID, chapter titles for a BTK biography. God, he's such a fucking... He's uh, so full of himself. My God. Uh, and a find-the-word letter grid spelling out clues like Prowl and Fantasies, although uh, investigators note the lack of his usual signature. Puzzle Sleuths later realized the letters R-A-D-E-R are grouped around the numbers 6220, which was 
Dennis Rader Street address number. December 13th of 2004, probably the most disturbing, a man walking through Wichita's Murdoch Park stumbles across a garbage bag containing Nancy Fox's driver's license and a Barbie doll with a hood over its head and arms tied behind its back, clearly left by a BTK as more, uh, like another way to prove he's not just like another faded memory. So obviously that one hit home for him. He was very butthurt about being called that. So fucking butthurt. <laughs> and it's just so funny because it's like he did nothing and then they were like, oh, what a little bitch. And he was like, <laughs> bet, bet, oh, bet. I'll show you, you bitch. <laughs> I'll show you, bitch. Yeah. Uh, January 25th, 2005, again, again, more shit happens. BTK ends up leaving instructions from, like, on a postcard that he mailed to Cake TV for police to follow. And police do. <laughs> they follow the instructions and they find a cereal box on the roadside uh, outside of Wichita containing a graphic description of BTK's first murders and another doll fashioned in a death position, which I don't know what kind of position that is. But Sometimes I'm I get sad because i thought that's what policing would be like all the time was like shit like that and you know what it is not that yeah no it's like okay your neighbor yelled at you what did they yell at you about okay can (laughs) you you guys just be civil you can can go inside do you just want to go to sleep tonight and just just (laughs) just like calm down (laughs) um at least here it is uh so then after that, officers were like, oh, well, there's another part of the postcard that we ignored <laughs> that had other instructions. And, Outstanding. Uh, it's the part where BTK, like, questions whether his package was found at a local Home Depot. And they're like, don't oh, have any idea what the fuck you're Let's talking about. Let's go to Home about. Depot. Yeah. So they go to Home Depot and they poke around the store. They, like, talk to employees. And they finally learn that one employee had indeed found a cereal box on the bed of his pickup truck. So... Dennis, it wasn't at Home Depot. You put it in someone's car. Also, nine times out of ten, people are going to be like, huh, that's weird, and leave. Yeah, and, and then, not call police. Yeah, that's literally and what this guy did. If I got a call like that, you know what I wouldn't do? Automatically think it was a mass serial killer from, no. like, the 70s. Do you think that's why he used cereal boxes? I don't think so. Cereal Maybe. killer? That's, that's like, funny. very woke of him. <laughs> pretty funny that's hilarious um anyways so they find the employee and the employee's like yeah i threw that away so they found the box in the trash and it has a message (laughs) asking if a btk could communicate via a floppy disk without being traced and if so the police were instructed to run a newspaper ad with the message quote rex it will be okay end quote do you remember floppies i remember i well i remember this happening and it was funny because like it was some lt lieutenant who was like in charge of this communication at this point and he was like yeah tell him tell him we can't trace that yeah literally (laughs) um i very coincidentally watched like a the very end of an episode of some murder thing uh where officers were being interviewed and they were like yeah like we would tell him that we could like what what an idiot (laughs) um so they also like took that at his advantage because clearly he is not very knowledgeable about floppy disks so (laughs) yeah uh if you don't know what a floppy disk is you're that's totally fine i think that you fortunately missed a very weird part of technology 
I can't remember actually saving or using a floppy disk. I knew what they were, but we were at the point where they were kind of being phased out. That's no, that is not my no? childhood memory. Oh, okay. My dad put everything on floppies. Like if we, <laughs> I remember we, having them like around the house. Yeah, we literally had like a box filled of floppy disks of like video games and like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was All extreme. Right. My mom had so many photos saved and that she can't use anymore because nothing ever uses floppies. Yeah. LOL. Anyways, uh, so what do you, I'm sure that you're understanding what we're alluding to, what officers ended up doing with this information. So on January 28th, 2005, an undercover detective makes arrangements with the Wichita Eagle to run a classified ad that reads, quote, Rex, it will be okay. Contact me. P.O. Box first for, no, first for ref numbers at 67202 end quote that sounds insanely cryptic 67202 is the zip code for wichita yes um so six days later after that was posted btk confirms his receipt of the message uh through another postcard that he sent back to cake uh february 16th 2005 a computer disc aka floppy disc aka something you'll hopefully never see and deal with arrived you see it every day when you press the save button Oh, yeah, that's right. That is. That was cute. That's so cute. Um, So the floppy disk arrived by mail uh, and is given to a cyber cop, a.k.a. hero, Randy Randy Stone. Stone. Uh, He uncovers BTK's message about checking an index card for more information. Not only that, but Randy, having the big boy brain he has. Big brain Randy. Big brain Randy Stone. Um. (laughs) He's like the the rock, but like, I'm a pebble. Uh, That joke fell on deaf ears. Uh, So he also found a hidden... I didn't catch that. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. Don't worry. It's fine. If anybody watches like Avatar The Last Airbender... Yeah. And I'm like thinking about The Rock. Like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. (sighs) But also, I was going to say Avatar The Last Airbender fans. There's a wrestler who's based off of The Rock that's called The Boulder. And they make fun of people like pebbles anyways so uh randy the the stone johnson uh finds his name is not johnson. I'm just kidding. Okay. okay okay i'm gonna stop randy stone uh found hidden metadata that reveals the disc to have been used by a man named dennis at a christ lutheran church at a park city library or and a park city library so he's used it in multiple places to triangulate his location uh within seconds of an internet search i don't know if google existed back then yes it did it totally did mm-hmm. um so the, they googled christ lutheran church which revealed the name of its president dennis Rader. lol which fits the dentist that they found um yeah so that's not good so i mean it's good for us it was it's bad for dennis that's bad. for sure so uh going back to the ghostbusters which were the the task force for btk they come in clutch here because they carefully kept and preserved all that dna evidence from the whole thing yeah. basically uh lieutenant landwehr and his team now lieutenant landwehr he was not lieutenant landwehr no before. he was like a little baby cop he was like a little baby like... rookie so now lieutenant landwehr uh, and his team Learned that Dennis's daughter Carrie had been in the hospital for a pat. Yeah, this is like the most disgusting way to compare DNA Uh, evidence. God, she was in the hospital for a pap smear. Damn, that sucks. 
and uh, the hospital turned over a sample of her DNA, which matched that of BTK. They had all this DNA from all the prior crimes, so bing, bang, boom, we got BTK. Um, February 25th of 2005, the big day comes. Uh, heading home from the office to have lunch with his wife, Dennis gets pulled over by a whole-ass line of police cars that were trailing him. Not suspicious at all. No. And he's taken into custody without really any incident. Uh, he confessed after being confronted with the DNA evidence and enjoys what he believes is a bonding session with law enforcement, who had been following him for decades yeah. at this point. Later on, he ended up express expressing a lot of frustration and shock that he was lied to by law enforcement about the security of the communications via a floppy disk. <laughs> God, this is, we didn't use floppy disks in like fifth grade though. No, I think like, he That's old. He, at that I think point. his thought process was, oh, this is an old piece of technology. I feel like they're not gonna be able to track yeah, it like they can other things today. I don't know. So, did thumb drives exist? I think so. I don't remember. I feel like it, they did. I feel like my whole life they've existed. So We are using one right now. Yes. So I don't know. Uh, uh his an arrest was announced at wichita city hall the following day drawing a lot of applause from the audience because everybody who had lived there probably remembered all the chaos that he fucking made happen mm -hmm. uh, after catching him investigators also noticed his jeep on security tapes of some of the package drop-off areas just more evidence uh april 19th of 2005 dennis waved his right to a preliminary hearing the scheduled hearing uh Ended after a few short minutes and an acknowledgement from the defense that the state possesses enough evidence to send the case to trial. Two weeks later, uh, Dennis was silent and he has the judge enter a not guilty plea for him, uh, which is weird because you can't really do that. I, I, you have to. All that I'm thinking is that he's just standing there like having like a staring contest with the judge and judge is just like dude if you don't i need to go like i have <laughs> dutiful dad duties to do what a fucking pussy yeah literally that's my thing i'm like he's been wanting all this he's attention like for so long big dick dennis and then and then something what a wiener yes <laughs> so fucking that's you just can't say it like, like you admitted it to cake tv 12 times yeah but Admit now you now. can't say that you're guilty what a and not wiener. even then he's like i'm not guilty God. Um, so shitty. June 27th of 2005, Dennis caught prosecutors off guard by pleading guilty to 10 counts of first-degree murder. Fine. It took you long enough. Literally. Provided the court with explicit details on how he selected, stalked, and finally killed each one of his victims, and those that watched the trial noted that Dennis lacked any remorse or emotion while talking about these events. His lawyer later notes that they went with... Can you imagine being his lawyer? No, that's... <laughs> Like, at this point, all you're trying to do is get his sentence reduced. Literally. Yeah. That's all you can you do. You can't refute any of the evidence. No. Um, the lawyer later notes that they went with the guilty plea due to the overwhelming evidence against their client and the lack of firm legal footing on which they could enter an insanity plea because, like we said before, he went years and years being, like, a pretty solid member of the community. So, like, how can you... Tell, like, How say, can like, you even think about an insane? This plea? man is insane, but he also was part of his church and he was president. It just blows my goddamn yeah. mind. 
So, August 18th, 2005, the court holds two-day sentencing hearing. It features uh, testimony from investigators who describe Dennis's documentation of his torture-fueled sex fantasies, um, emotional pleas from the victim's families, and an apology from a convicted killer who, ex- well, Dennis, he expressed hopes that the families would soon forgive him. Yeah, right. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I would be that Fuck petty. that. Um, having committed his murders before Kansas reintroduced the death penalty in 1994. He was three years away from that last murder with Dol- Dolores. Mm, it um, doesn't matter, though. No, I know. I just, big bummer. Uh, Dennis received a sentence of 10 consecu- I'm sorry, consecutive life terms in prison for a minimum of 175 years without the possibility of a tr- patrol uh without the possibility of parole this guy is not getting out of prison um dr tony ruark a forensic psychologist who evaluated dennis following his arrest believes that something happened early in dennis's life to spawn the btk killer he said this is kind of a long quote so bear with me if radar was completely honest which he was not i am sure that he i'm sorry that we would find some sort of childhood event that radar immediately associated with feelings of sexuality somehow very early on radar encountered an event where he immediately linked sexual pleasure with watching a living creature suffer and die and after the first encounter radar probably began to work very hard to nurture those feelings i would dare to say though that like technically pedophilia is like a diagnosable mental condition yeah so i i would almost say that kind of like sexual perversion that he obviously exhibited prior to even like hitting puberty Mm -hmm. might be a little more deep-seated than just like a traumatic response yeah i have no idea i'm not a psychologist um so obviously btk is all over the media if you search anything about serial killers from that time frame like ted bundy son of sam zodiac like all of those big heavy hitters dennis's name is right up there with that uh so you'll see hundreds and hundreds of documentaries and shit on him but most notably dennis's story inspired the stephen king novella a good marriage which was published as part of the 2010 collection called full dark no stars and it later became a feature film which i had no idea i'm probably gonna look into that that sounds cool maybe. Then in 2016, a forensic psychology professor, Catherine Ramsland, uh, published Confession of a Serial Killer, the Untold Story of Dennis Rader, the BTK Killer. I'm so tired of all these long book names. Um, That revealed that the notorious murderer had planned to claim an 11th victim before he was arrested. So if you're interested in that, check out her book. And then lastly, October of 2017, Netflix has a little TV show. You might have heard about it, Mindhunter. We talk about it a lot. Uh, And one of the serial killers known as the ADT man on the show is based on Dennis, which I'm very surprised they didn't just say the BTK killer. What pisses me off is I think the reason they don't is because they don't flesh that out at all. They make it seem like that's going to be a third season. Mm. Like, because that's during season two and they give glimpses of it and you know it's BTK. Mm -hmm. But they really hint at that being a more fleshed out thing. Uh, But also, he didn't get arrested until the 2000s. Yeah so what are they gonna do right i don't know it was just like 
maybe what they're just tease? doing like little easter eggs yeah i don't know i just think it's interesting that they chose adt because that's the name of his job so i'm thinking that adt security had something to do with some of his first murders and how he got into their homes i just couldn't find they definitely made it. it seem that way in the show but and also that makes sense yeah maybe my research is just really shitty and i didn't find it if you or maybe adt is like we're gonna squash that yeah right they're just like do not sue sue them all sue them all <laughs> libel um <laughs> anyways most of my uh, our research came from biography.com Sammy's research they ours. they had a lot of really cool uh different articles on this they had the history of dennis growing up and then they also had an extremely well like organized timeline of his killings and like described them very like in depth and then britannica i got a couple of things from there and then psychology today was really big and in diving into his psyche love it super cool also what a fucking psycho dude wow wow on that note um well on that note you can find us on our instagram primarily which is uh, if you just search 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 jesus fuck you just search a new podcast you can find us and then from there we have a link tree in the bio and you can get to everything else but if you're not into that uh, you can email us at who knew podcast 666 at gmail.com or you can find us on patreon at who knew podcast yes please email us or you can uh, rate us on apple podcast because that helps us quite a bit so indeed that is that you got anything else i have a bear that wants to say bye you want to say bye? She says no. She says don't say my name. She's stage fright. This is harassment. Okay, bye. Bye.